0: (laughs) Welcome back, everyone, for episode three of A Convenient Parallel Discussion. Uh, We are joined once again by author James Green Jr., who wrote A Convenient Parallel Dimension, How Ghostbusters Slimed Us Forever. I always want to say them wrong. I mess up the title of the podcast and the title of that. Uh, Thanks for joining us, James. We have Eric from the Moogly Fan Club, and we have Dave, Chris, Josh, Justin, and myself. Dan from the Buffalo Ghostbusters. Uh, Josh, you had an interesting point that we haven't gotten to yet, actually. So why don't you go ahead and ask uh, James the question that we were talking about earlier? All right,
1: James. So how did you come up with the uh,
2: with the title and subtitle of this book? <laughs> oh, uh, OK. Well, it's, um, you know, I want... Won- <laughs> I wanted it to give it some sort of unique title that was also clearly a reference to Ghostbusters, which is difficult because I felt like there are a lot of Ghostbusters references that are very played out and common. Uh, and when I w- was originally working on this book in like 2013, I was like, "Yeah, convenient parallel dimension. That makes sense somehow because it's like you know this is the dimension that's separate from their real lives or you know whatever." Uh, and um, the subtitle was originally gonna be like, you know, Ghostbusters, like the story of Ghostbusters like nineteen seventy, whatever to two thousand, blah, blah, blah. Um but then the publisher's like, you don't want to put dates in there because what if there's some sort of catastrophe <laughs> and the dates are like go ahead, you know. <laughs> uh what if, you know, that that's not gonna be good. So I was like, All right. Um, and then, you know, they were kind of iffy. I mean, I was never like I, I my like uh enthusiasm for a convenient parallel to mention a title kind of like went came and went um and then i was like well let's call it who are you gonna call uh how ghostbuster Simons forever um I, the subtitle I, when as soon as i came up with them, like that's gonna be the subtitle no matter what um but then ray parker jr was going to uh his the name of his documentary was uh who you gonna call. Oh yeah. They oh were, yeah. And but it was weird because it was like that wasn't coming out. Like he kept saying it was gonna be released, but it it, it seemed to not be coming out. <laughs> and I was like, well and then the publisher was like, you know what, I like a comedian parallel dimension. Let's just go with that. I was like, "All right, that sounds good. This is like the naming. Uh, books is so hard and difficult. I hate it. <laughs> well, there has to be a science to it because it has
0: to be something that's like eye-catching and interesting, yeah. But also references the material enough. So, that yeah. You, I mean, if it was just a convenient parallel dimension, yeah. No, and nobody's going to pick that up, but hardcore fans.
2: Yeah, and because of like search engine optimization and stuff, they're like, you got to have Ghostbusters in there, or you got to have movies, or you got to have Hollywood." Uh, you know, uh, oh. stuff, stuff well, you got like Ghostbusters
0: that. and Slime, so that works good. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, somewhere I have oh. the list of uh, all the different variations of titles. I should try to dig that up. It's, it's oh, yeah.
0: Pretty we'd, embarrassing we'd love to hear there. some alternate ones in Absolutely. a future episode. Absolutely. Um, also, so jumping in to chapters five and six. Oh, Josh, did you have something else? Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask who designed the jacket of the book? And, uh, um, how was? How did you guys come to this like final decision?
2: Um, to be honest, uh, the design team at the publisher at Roman Littlefield or at Lions Press—I don't know if they share a design team, but uh, I imagine they do. Uh, they totally came up with all. I my input was like, "This is the picture I'd like on the cover," and I kind of okay. had a different. I had a different idea, uh, sort of have how the cover would look, and they're like, "No, we're just going to do it like this." And uh, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's great." I didn't know. I didn't know that we could get skewed that close to like, you know, the actual look of the VHS cover or the poster, you know. That's what I was thinking it was too. Yeah, the VHS <clears throat> so cover. I was like, Yeah, that that works, you know. So they did a great job. I think they made it look awesome. Um, absolutely.
1: absolutely. You know, and then it's like your name down here is like a like a little sticker that was. Slapped oh yeah, on yeah. That's it's not uh, a sticker for everyone. It's it's yeah. actually like printed on here, but it looks <laughs> like that's nice. Yeah,
2: yeah. That's so cool. It's so so much more creative than like what I was envisioning. <laughs> it
1: looks it looks like it came straight out of the '80s. Honestly, yeah. like this book yeah. looks like it could be like a companion book to the to the release of the mm. film so it was like that, it, the design is really nice it's really eye catching
2: yeah yeah I wish I hadn't I wish I know I wish I had some communication with uh, the design team so I could tell them you know firsthand but uh, you know, I never got a chance to talk if their wife anybody's watching this right now thank you so much you did an awesome job <laughs> I,
3: I agree I just want to add I think this is probably um, I have a lot of the, the books like the history. <laughs> this is the best cover because uh, personally, uh, and there's a reason why I say that personally, I love weather, weathering on our props and any <laughs> items. I mean, look at our background, mm-hmm. which is yep. the, yeah. the caution, strip, the but it's very faded and it actually has a, our Buffalo Special logo that is weathered by Dan. And I mean, any kind of weathering look, I just like, just a classic cars, you know, you get a car with a little rusted, <laughs> vagina, it gives a little bit more aesthetic to it mm-hmm. and this I mean the cover of the book I mean I this uh, to me that's art. I mean I just love it. I love that all four guys are in the middle. <laughs> and, and that weathering and that fadedness and like like Josh said the wrinkling the sticker at the bottom yeah. that just it
0: just home run.
2: Yeah yeah. Yeah, they. I mean, for all all the books I've done, all the books, the, for the two other books I've done. That oh, my huge history of books. <laughs> they, the, the design team always does an awesome job. They always like, like I remember with my second book, I was like, just kind of like drawing stuff in like MS Paint. And I was like, what if we did that? And it looked like a nightmare. And they took that <laughs> and they made it look so awesome. So
3: We've all played around with MS Paint, don't worry.
0: <laughs> oh, far too much. All right, so jumping in then for Chapters 5 and 6, we're getting to Ghostbusters 2, which I know is a very favorite subject of some of our uh, people on the podcast here. Uh, some of us regard that as their favorite Ghostbusters movie. Any one of you want to jump into it? Go
1: right ahead. Well, I think the um, the, the one thing that I wanted to start off with was... Um, where is it? I think... I think Ernie Hudson said our biggest audience will be kids who weren't born when the first movie came out. And to me, that is, that is so true. I wasn't even born when the, when the first film came out and I wrote that down too. Same. It's my my favorite. It's my favorite one. And I, I, I've loved it ever since I was a a kid and um, he's right. He's right. I think if you were born post 1984, you know, later on in the 80s that that is your movie and i think it gets a lot of people they're like oh i love the first one and the first one's a now for me it's the second one the like, second ernie was ernie was right
4: on that i think <laughs> i feel the exact same way i'm born late 80s um i didn't even see ghostbusters 2 until it was on vhs and I watched that so much that we ended up having to get a second copy after I broke our one <laughs> copy of it. I oh, uh, mean, I wasn't even introduced to Ghostbusters one until years later. You know, so <laughs> Ghostbusters one was a lot more grown up. So it makes sense that they yep. wouldn't even show it to me until, <laughs> you know, I was eight, nine, 10 years old.
0: So I definitely just loved, um, obviously, dan's original concept you know the script that was called the seed and they're in this tunnel for three days and it's a thousand mile journey or whatever it's like what exactly was going to be interesting about that (laughs) but i at the same time i love that he still seems to have an idea i just i love the parallels where he recently was quoted talking about a movie being in scotland and you had the seed with all these fairies and everything that it's just interesting, the parallels between those two. I wonder if it's residual leftover of that idea from the late eighties, or if it's a totally new thing, possibly from filming, you know, over in Europe or this new life experience, who knows? I mean,
4: Um, growing up, I've heard all different kinds of stories about Ghostbusters two and how the script was so drastically different uh, when they went to film it, versus what the team agreed to. But reading this chapter, it seemed like they had a lot of the concepts, like, right off the bat, after the tunnel script was thrown out. Yeah. I mean, they they decided I thought it was really right interesting, away... too, how... A... Go, Go ahead, ahead
0: Dan. I, uh, no, I was they... going to say, I think it's really interesting that um, they had that script that then got kind of thrown out, and then the majority, it seems, of the first draft of really what ended up on screen was mostly done by harold mm-hmm.
4: yeah exactly i mean they almost instantly had an evil painting with a carpathian overlord so they had a just collection of ooze from the evil flowing throughout the city and we're going to have to tell the city to be nice to each other <laughs> and you know elements like that that were seemingly in version two of the script already and those aren't drastically different like we've been told all the stories on Ghostbusters too.
0: well that's an interesting thing too because um the 1988 draft that uh is talked about here a bunch uh is actually on spook central um the website the, the script if anybody's interested in reading it um I was doing a deep dive through my hard drive. I was talking to James about it this week of like all these old scripts that I had and finding where they came from and everything. Um, unfortunately the one I had was not real. (laughs) Uh, I guess there was a fake Stupnitsky Eisenberg Ghostbusters three script that passed around for a while there. Um, but there are some different drafts of Ghostbusters two that get referenced in this chapter. And it's really interesting to be able to go read some of those, um, you know the with the characters of Lane and uh, Justin or Jason. Did that get changed? Was it Jason and then Justin? It was Jason. Yeah,
5: I think. yeah, it was Jason, and then they ch- changed it to Justin. And that would have been a pretty cool character <laughs> sharing the same name.
0: Well, because Justin's just such a good name, right? Justin. Yes, it is. Thanks, mom. Thanks, dad. <laughs> but didn't didn't a lot of like Jason and Justin?
1: Didn't that turn into a lot of pianos type
5: stuff? It turned into Janosch after Peter McNichols' audition and then his input for the character. That's, yeah.
0: Well, because and how about that? How about how much of this character actually came from him?
5: Yeah, that was really awesome to hear. And a read.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, we could have ended up with Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> yeah, right? All I could think about was the Seinfeld joke from that, like, oh, Dustin Hoffman in Star Wars? Like... <laughs> Um, but yeah, like it's just it's so cool how Peter McNichol actually like made that role his own and turned that into. I mean, you know, so many people regard him as probably the best part of that movie. Like he was so entertaining.
1: It really was, um, and it, and just to hear all like how he went through to even get into that movie was actually really cool i didn't i didn't know a lot of stuff i just i just assumed uh he was just always in it and that was that
0: mm-hmm.
1: like i just I mean, thought watch the guy and like but he was only in a couple of movies up to that point where he was uh, he was just um once he got didn't once he got the call he was like yeah i'm doing this
0: well at first I he mean, he rejected it that's right yeah yeah, he rejected my, it and then he came back to exposure. it immediately.
4: My biggest exposure to him was Ghostbusters 2. So as a kid, I just assumed that was his actual accent mm-hmm. until I saw him on Ally McBeal and I'm like
2: Me Why too does he not sound like
1: Yonah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> me too. I'm like I, when I saw when I saw him in Allie McBeal, I was I was like he, he talks like uh he talks like me. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're
3: <done. laughs> No Dracula he's, he's, dead been, and loving he's been learning it. his yeah. English
1: really good. Oh my goodness, Dracula Dead and Loving It. I forgot about that one.
5: <laughs> what about Baby Geniuses?
0: <laughs> oh, God. Um, One thing that struck me as really interesting was that, you know, Peck was originally going to come back. Yeah. So every, I, w- I was kind of curious what everybody thinks here. Would that have made it feel like more of a rehash, where that's sort of the knock on GB2 is that they rehashed a lot? Or would it have felt less like a rehash?
4: I think it would have felt more like a rehash simply because he did literally the same thing in Die Hard 2, Die Harder, where he came (laughs) back for a role that literally meant nothing to the movie. He was just there.
2: (laughs) I don't mean to interrupt, but is Eric's mic working? I'm not hearing Eric at all, I think. Oh, I'm not hearing Eric at all. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good job, James. James
0: is now our tech guy. <laughs> <laughs>
3: for, for some reason, his you know he's got the same headphones as Dan, but they are not working. No volume is coming through the board here.
0: Log out.
1: Log back in. Yeah. Plug
3: it in. <laughs> oh. There he goes. We got that, Eric, There
0: we go. oh, There you are. So, Eric, what do you think? Bigger rehash or lesser rehash? If hold on a second. Okay. Wait, you can hear me now?
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah we can hear you. <laughs> All right, can you actually hear me right now? Yes, yeah. yes, we can. Yeah, we're good. Oh, we're good.
0: <laughs> what, what the heck happened?
6: Oh my God, I got interrupted five times. I'm wondering why nobody's letting me talk. Don't hit the mail <laughs> button. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, Welcome and I was, to I was tonight. gonna, I was gonna say that Walter Peck could have completely introduced a whole different dynamic to how the court scene could have been. Yes. You know, it's 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 not so and there's been an argument on, you know, this people still don't believe in ghosts and all that stuff. Um but having Peck in the movie could have helped legitimize them in the eyes of the public again. You know, there there was no doubt that this guy had kind of a personal grudge against them. Yeah. You know, the court the courtroom scene could have happened you know, Peck goes in there. He's against them. He's with the, you know, against them, the, the prosecutor, all that stuff. And then, boom, the Scalari brothers show up. They do the thing. Even maybe he's the guy that gets carried out of the courtroom. Right. Rather than the you know, prosecutor. So, <laughs> yep. And all of a sudden, boom, now he takes it serious. He could have even been a. Team player at the end of it. Who knows? See, that's the thing for me.
0: I I think it probably would have felt less like a rehash because it would have still been within that world. He's sort of the guy spearheading, you know, the disbelief um, versus you know now the mayor's aide doesn't believe them when I mean the mayor like clearly helped them out, gave them you know National (laughs) Guard and all that at the end of the first one. (laughs) Like, yeah, definitely. I mean, and now I mean, he's just like, ah, oh, yeah, I guess my assistant doesn't believe you. So I don't. Even. I mean, uh, I mean,
6: do you think he looked bad at the end of that election when it came to the next election? He's like, did you think he played the I help save the city card? Well, you almost 50 percent of them voted for him in the last election. That's right. But I mean, do you think do you think like the public asked him about, you know, you help the Ghostbusters and the marshmallow uh, man? Do you think he like. Yeah, no, I, just, I thought
0: that was interesting. Yeah.
4: I mean, he did save the lives of millions of registered voters. Exactly.
0: He so, just cared about reelection and then moved on. <laughs> yeah. But what was Hart of Myers' reason? I mean,
6: legitimately, aside from associating with them, the guy had a personal grudge, right? Off oh, yeah. That.
3: He. I he, mean, he, you know, he even said, I'll, right. you know, I'll get you, Vink man, I'll get you for this." I mean, for all we know, he could have been the person helping to push this help. You know, to, to you know, to basically put the Ghostbusters out of business, because we know it all went all the way up to the Supreme Court that they would not be, they could not practice it anywhere. So the fact, I mean, the fact that it went that far, it had to have been Peck and his government connections, him being the EPA. I mean, he probably knew a lot of people, different agencies and pulled all all the strings. I would have loved to have seen him in the second one. Mm-hmm. The courtroom scene makes now, a lot of sense.
0: If he, In if he the other it. casting that I loved in this chapter, how about Gilbert Godfrey? <laughs> Oh, God, it was wow. so much How, how much more 80s can you get? Like, oh, God. All I think about whenever I hear Gilbert Godfried is problem Child." Okay? Yep. <laughs> so, yep. I'm just picturing that guy as a bank manager in Ghostbusters <laughs> 2, berating his staff while stuff just spontaneously combusts. Like, mm-hmm. I'm kind of bummed yep. the scene got cut, to be honest. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, speaking you can see of stuff like-
4: getting cut, there was so much stuff cut from this film. I would love to see like the preview cut that they're showing at uh, the Alamo today. Yeah.
0: Uh oh I'd yeah. Love to see a ghost if ghost there's that exists that. for yeah, ghost picture.
4: Yeah. Just
0: all the well, deleted granted, scenes I'll put into like a new flyer. film. Granted the Gilbert Godfrey thing never even got filmed. That would I mean could,
3: mm. I, I could imagine Gilbert being Louis's cousin.
0: There's lots of
6: interesting. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, J- J- James is there an actual number of how many scripts
2: there actually were? Uh, you know, I think uh, Harold Ramis had said they wrote like 11 or 12 drafts. Uh, wow. And now I don't know how many are, how many are available or have been like circulating in my bank community that I can't say for sure. I'd have to double check that. I, I, I'm not even sure how many I have, like, cause there were certainly times where people were like, I'll pass this to you, this script. I don't think it's online, but I, so I have like a number of, of scripts for Ghostbusters see that are that are, like on Spook Central or like that haven't been published, but they're all you know they're all pretty much the same. There's there are only a few differences. Now, I will say one of the, my biggest disappointments working on this book is I came like within a few inches of getting a, a copy of the seed, oh. um, but oh. <laughs> that oh, that kind of fell apart, and uh, no matter how hard I tried. Uh, it didn't it, it
0: wasn't wasn't gonna happen oh man that would have been incredible yeah
3: now speaking of that if you don't mind me asking uh what would it would it have i can't talk shit what would have it taken to get your hands on it like was it like a numbers thing was it like a legality thing what what would have to be moved in order to 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 actually do that um if you don't mind or or if
2: i don't mind i don't i don't mind no i don't i don't mind you guys can ask whatever i don't i I don't care Uh, i didn't sign any uh agreements and i can (laughs) um that's a good question i don't know what it would take because it seemed like it seemed like the source i had was very willing to share at first and then something (laughs) changed um I don't know i don't know i what would i don't know if it would have taken i certainly wasn't i wasn't gonna be like hey let me empty my bank account for you stranger (laughs) but uh i I don't know maybe it would have taken like maybe it would have taken uh, a couple of phone calls maybe it would have taken uh i don't know it it probably like did it want a coffee maker i mean Uh, I feel like that's one of those things where it's like, if this goes further, I have to set aside like two weeks of my life and only focus on this. Uh, so it just, I think it would just would have taken a lot of time and persuasion, okay. you know? So, um, you know, <clears throat> and uh, you know, once people, once someone stops like answering your emails, <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm not going to like, what am I going to do now? It's like, I have, I have a whole book to write, you know, I would to right. get the seed someday. But there, well, yeah, there, maybe circle back with your source. <laughs> maybe there were a handful of things like that. Uh, it, like, like I was really interested in when I learned about the Gilbert Godfrey thing. I was like, oh man, a perfect excuse to interview Gilbert Godfrey. Uh, but uh, I guess he had fallen ill by that time already. Uh, so I, you know, and that happened with a few people I wanted to talk to. Who, who, you know. Well,
0: sure. I mean, we're talking about a forty-year-old movie, so yeah. <laughs> yep. And it's not for like they were all
5: young it. when they made
2: it. So you know, the, for those of the you idea, watching,
4: if you have a copy of the seed and want us to take a look at it, <laughs> uh, it's our email is info at buffalo ghostbusters.com.
0: We'll be happy to spread it around on the podcast and we'll all review the seed for you as a future bonus episode. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we'll we'll act it out in various voices.
0: Oh God! Ooh, live <laughs> uh, stream. will not come. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Of course, though. How about uh? How about Bill Murray? As everybody knows, like hates the oh God. Seven. I feel like. the most real statement he made where he just was not acting was him saying, I hate this part of the business when he's putting the Proton Pack on and goes, I just feel yeah. like that was really Bill, not Peter Venkman.
4: Yeah. <laughs> the camera was accidentally yeah. rolling. Yeah, But,
3: <laughs> but it, spoke, yeah. it spoke truth to how heavy the packs are.
0: Oh my God, yeah. I mean, our replica is not even nearly as bad as what they were dealing yeah. with because you know, fans have figured out ways to make things lighter. Yeah. The actual Um, bulbs
3: and everything that they had in there, yeah.
0: But I did love that one comment, and just, could you imagine if they'd asked Murray to wear a slime blower? (laughs) 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 Well,
1: wasn't it in like the one of the original scripts where they were all supposed to wear slime blowers? Like, they were all supposed to wear slime blowers at... at, I'm not sure. I think in the you know in the novelization of those books too, I believed all of them were wearing wearing slime blowers oh, at, okay. the, at the end of that. So I couldn't imagine him him having to wear a, a slime blower or being asked <laughs> to wear a slime blower. I mean,
4: if he's willing to throw chairs at people, <laughs> that, that was <laughs> intense. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if Megman would have been written out for the ending,
0: right? They're yeah. like, fine, we'll kill you off.
4: Something <laughs> <laughs> big of would work. step on him
0: um yeah but so um anything else on the production before we move into chapter six
1: well i mean no, I, we i loved how you you touched on a little bit of the uh slimer at the end sort of controversy how oh, everybody is <laughs> dan and i dan and i have talked about this a couple of times and i'm like i and, and i right before I started reading this, I'm like, I hope he, t- I hope he says something about the slimer at the end. Everybody, there's a group of people out there that swear they um slimer emerge from the, uh, the statue of Liberty and swallow the camera. And then a couple of weeks there, a couple of years ago, uh, the ghostbusters, uh, it was either their YouTube channel or something like that posted a trivia question. And it said, um, Slimer swallows the camera in the final shot of what movie? Ghostbusters one, Ghostbusters two, or both. And I clicked on just Ghostbusters one, but I got the question wrong. And it the right answer was both. And so then I, I had messaged Eric Eric Wright. And I was like, wait a minute, is there like is there like uh any sort of deleted scene? He's like, No, that was just a uh just a mistake by the social media. And I'm like, ah,
0: because I've been wanting. Whoever it was, was trolling the whole fan base. That was not a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> they were. Yeah. I was like, no, you can't be serious. But um, I have the real Ghostbusters
1: starring in Ghostbusters 2, the now comic trade. And uh, With Ray's mustache. Yep. that a- <laughs> I never saw that. Mm-hmm. Yo, yeah, it, he it, has it, a mustache. Oh, no, that's in the comic book. Oh, no, I, no, it, no, no, that's uh, a coloring uh, book. My bad, my bad. Coloring book. But in a comic book, um Slimer does come out at the end of the Statue of Liberty.
2: Yeah, when I was uh when I was working on this book and I would tell people, I'm writing a book about all the Ghostbusters movies, like I would say probably one of the top two questions I would get was, Are you gonna talk about Slimer at the end of Ghostbusters too? Because I know that happened. I know that happened. You have to and then like um, you know, definitely after the book came out, some people would be like Hey man, like I read that what you wrote about that Slimer in the end, the end of Ghostbusters 2. Man, I think he could uh, I, I think he should have worked harder to get us an answer. And I was like, I don't know what yeah, you want yeah. me to do. Like, <laughs> like, I interviewed the lady who played Slimer, she doesn't remember. I interviewed uh, Ned Gorman, one of the head effects guys, he doesn't remember. I don't know, like, I'm I don't have a time machine, I don't know what to tell you. I can't go back in time, I, you, know,
0: you know what? I bet the answer is in the seed script maybe <laughs> I,
1: so, they were planted so someone had, had presented with uh presented me with a theory on all of that because somebody else was like i remember seeing a scene where they were flowing down the river and they caught on the ladder to get out of the to get out of the manhole there and i'm like that never happened either mm-hmm. what is going on um but somebody did, had presented and i think you even said something about it like there was some cuts that maybe went to print that um that weren't supposed to be yeah And like a very small group of people might have seen that slimer thing but then the the original the, the theatrical ending is just that final shot with the mm. with the statue of liberty
0: and those poor souls will forever be deemed as crazy by the rest yeah, of the like, know. Like, I know. know odd one yeah. off
4: shots <laughs> yeah, you know, like uh, that sometimes end up in TV edits too. So yeah, it's possible true. it could have been in a random TV edit and just never the actual like release cuts.
0: Yeah. Well, there's, there's, there's a there's the 35th anniversary. Maybe they'll uncover it and we Josh, can finally
3: see it. Josh wants the director's <laughs> extended cut. <laughs>
0: Of course
1: he, he wants, he wants every bit of footage from that movie. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like what you said there, Brunzi, was uh, I remember seeing Iron Man and then I watched it on, I watched it on FX and when he gets out of the Humvee, he actually picks up a gun and starts shooting back at the 10 rings. Yeah. And that's not, I was like, what is this? When did this happen in the movie? And I was like watching a whole different movie. So, Maybe some television
4: cut. At Who knows? Some, some, some Ace edits Ventura is famous are, uh, you know, for time that. Time
3: allotted and live television. Yeah.
4: With uh, Ace yeah. Ventura, that's actually like they add 15 minutes to it in a club scene <clears throat> with like henchmen chasing him throughout the building and stuff. That's never in the theatrical. It's not on the DVD. It's literally just a TV edit.
1: Wow. I didn't know that. Um, I will so, say, like, going
0: with the whole bad vibes uh you know theme of the movie there were in earlier scripts i did enjoy uh the ones that i've read i did enjoy some of those moments of like new yorkers playing against character like having to be nice to each other um you know the billy martin thing sounds like it would have been hysterical Mm -hmm. like having to argue with an umpire nicely (laughs) um but, yeah, I do wish a few of those scenes had really made it into the movie because we don't really see that as mm-hmm. we, we basically see Lenny, you know, kind of make fun of the fact of, oh, do I have to tell New Yorkers to be nice to each other? It would have been funny to see some of those scenes. Mm-hmm.
6: Yep. I mean, I personally would have rather seen those Slimer scenes more than Bill Murray baby scenes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I get it. It was essential. We had to show the Dana connection and all that. But the, like those little clips we see of Lewis and Slimer, they were very fitting with the time frame If you think about it with real ghostbusters,
2: Absolutely.
6: because there, there was not an episode where Slimer was getting on Peter's nerves or he did something where Peter had to grab his proton pack and threaten to blast him. <laughs> or he's eating somebody's lunch. He does that in almost every episode he's in.
3: Birthday
6: cakes. So I, the birthday birth. cakes. I mean, I think, I think it might've even attracted more from the real ghost ghostbusters, ghostbusters fan base to, at the time, you know, which would have been us as kids and all of that mm-hmm. to actually have more Slimer. And I, I think that was,
0: was the interesting thing was, um, You know, all of the main people involved, Aykroyd, Ramis, Brightman, Murray, they all knew, sort of like Ernie was saying, that it was, they were kind of making a movie now for people who weren't alive when the first one came out. And I think they, they, it doesn't necessarily come across that they resented that, but I think it was a delicate balance. They didn't want to go all the way into entertaining real Ghostbusters kids. And I think, unfortunately, they just viewed those scenes as too kiddy. Um I think I I've always really enjoyed the Lewis scene, you know, when we see them as deleted scenes. Um, yeah, I would have loved to have seen a cut with it edited in there.
5: Isn't there the um I'm not gonna say rumor, but there the uh the myth that they actually changed certain aspects in G B two to reference real Ghostbusters like having Winston Lose the mustache and make Janine more like her cartoon counterpart.
0: Oh, for sure! I'm yeah. sure those yeah. those were done. Yeah. you know. Yeah. With that in mind, um, I mean, making sure the change is drastic. Yeah. Well, well yeah. Even Slimer, even
1: Slimer's design yeah. is quite different from Ghostbusters one to Ghostbusters
0: two because of the because of the cartoon. Much bigger eyes and yeah, the yeah. shape and everything is much closer to RGB for sure.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, um, i want to know whose idea
1: it was to go to put ghostbusters in front of batman to, to i feel like oh, it was God. unavoidable
0: like it was they were both releasing that summer what when do you release like yeah yeah I mean, I, it would <laughs> i think maybe i
1: i if, if i was the head of columbia pictures it probably would have been i would have pushed ghostbusters to back maybe a month or two because even they i mean even they were saying like they were having trouble getting the visual effects shots and they could have cleaned They could have helped clean that up but ivan wrightman was like oh, we're, gonna, we're gonna go up you know a month or you know a couple of weeks and everybody was like oh what why? <laughs> Why are we doing this? Yeah. I mean, the they're summer of 89... like, you, 89 like, you mean stacked.
0: giving us more weeks, right? Like, we were going to yeah. ask for more weeks. <laughs> I don't right. know where you would
4: have put it in the release schedule, though. 89 yeah. was so stacked in the summer like, for other films. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Just just listing ones that I, I looked up this afternoon, in addition to the ones that are listed in the book. You have Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2, Batman 89, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Karate Kid Three, Lethal Weapon Two, Star Trek Five, Nightmare on Elm Street Five, Major League, Uncle Buck, Roadhouse, and even Weird Al's UHF all came out that summer. Oh, I think
1: Major so League, really, I almost said uh, that was July. You, you almost forgot UHF, but uh, <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so glad you, you, you mentioned UHF. But no, I mean, I, I maybe maybe push it back a couple of months. It, it, I, I think it still would have would have gotten a, a, a good
0: uh opening but I yeah think- but like the like this chapter talks about though they weren't looking for good they were looking for studio safe yeah so they needed their big summer blockbuster so they yeah it, it was just unfortunate that it was released in a murderer's row of summer hits that like oh you move you know two weeks this way to avoid batman well now you're up against indiana jones well you move this way now you're up against honey i shrunk the kid which is but yeah
1: world, yeah they were, um, it, was just, it was just all it, it was hard in the summer of 1989 i mean like you said there was it was a puzzle
0: they, they couldn't yeah. It. yeah there was no good time for them to release this to, it was damned if you do damned if you don't yeah well but i mean i think reitman i think it was reitman's comments um about you know sort of the changing um, of the societal view that like we were skewing more towards a darker v- vision and everything and that's where Batman was so popular because it wasn't you know campy and all that like people were used to with Batman it was a new take it was gritty yeah and- well I mean
1: they said something that like crime was on the rise and yep. um, whatnot in, this, in the city of New York and so they they in Batman it's almost like a reflection of the time that it was released and so people saw that dark, gritty like almost like negative energy and they just kind of went to it whereas Ghostbusters on the other hand they met that negative energy and tried to turn it into positive energy
0: which I mean, judging by some of those early reviews there was a lot of negative energy, some of those reviews <laughs> yep. were just downright mean oh, even
6: the good ones sounded bad <laughs>
0: Yeah, it was
1: absolutely mean. Um, I was, I was like, why are they? How are they so harsh? I mean, I, I've, I've seen some movies where I'm like, that just stunk. That was terrible. That was like, I, I but I would not be like, oh, this person should never make movies ever again. Uh, these people are terrible actors. What is going on? Like, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't go that far into it.
0: I did think it was interesting, though, despite all of them having the sort of attitude that, you know, okay, well, people are going to see it regardless because it's Ghostbusters. They want to see, did we, you know, achieve a second hit or did we fail? So no matter what, the curiosity is going to get people to see it. But I just thought it was interesting, the different tone from the actors, you know, Mm -hmm. prior to the first movie releasing, they were like, we can be late for work every day for the rest of our lives like this is going to be the biggest hit ever this one they were like yeah we don't (laughs) (laughs) yeah we don't care (laughs) well from the sound of it
6: too there wasn't much praise coming from the actors i mean bill of course is the obvious example whenever he was asked about it he'd make a joke or talk about you know it was crap or something like that but even from the rest of the cast it's There wasn't the oomph or, yeah, the positivity, which is strange because the message in the movie is promoting positivity.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So actually, we just got an interesting comment uh, from Jamie. It's weird that Ghostbusters 2 has always looked more like a modern film to me than any other movie that came out that year. It's aged well. I'll actually really agree with that. You know, things like Batman and Indiana Jones – I'm not saying they age poorly, but they look like eighties films. Ghostbusters two, aside from a few of the effects, I'm not sure that it necessarily looks old.
2: I think that's kind of interesting because, you know, I watched, um, recently I watched the, uh, Batman 89, with my kids, my two teenage kids who like, you know, if it's such a chore to get them to watch any live action film made before (laughs) 2007, uh, and we watched Batman, and they're both like, "Hey, this is actually really good." And like, I remember thinking, like, "Yeah, you know, this movie—I've seen it so many times that obviously, like, I kind of only notice like some of the goofy stuff now." But it's like sitting there and watching it through their eyes, and like really sitting in the dark and you know pretending we're really you know that we're experiencing this. It's like, yeah, this you know this movie has such a great great style and um, you know it, it has a lot of uh, and what I think about like you know it 1989 was like the changing of the guard where it's like you know the Ghostbusters, uh, you know Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray were you know five or six years earlier. they were like the the young upstarts, and they were like you know we're gonna we're presenting you know comedy and anarchy, and we you know, we're flipping our nose as society and then they come back with ghostbusters too, are like everyone be nice to each other and then it's, <laughs> then it's, then it's, but then you've got Tim Burton and Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson who are making this like like nihilistic like this is the new cool thing where it's like you know. I mean, it's, it's Batman. So it's not like you're, it's like, I remember, you know, there was a lot of like talk, like, Oh, it's so violent. Like we shouldn't let kids see it, which of course made kids want to see it more. But it's like, this is the new cool, like, like, uh, you know, uh, I don't know how to put it. It's the new cool thing. And it's the new, it like, the new trend. yeah. Disregard, like disregard for authority. You know, we're making a Batman movie where he kills people and he's not dancing around and there's no Robin, you know? <laughs> And like the Joker is really sadistic. And it's like, yeah, of course, that's uh, like, I love Ghostbusters, but it's like when I was 10, I was like, I don't know, man, that Batman movie, well, uh, that might, that might be the thing.
3: Well, that was 89. And of course, 1990, we got the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Again, there was a yep. crime wave and we oh. had these, you know, these mutant vigilantes who carried swords and psi yeah. and just took out any bad guys that were around. Yeah. And
0: It really was that studios. changing of the guard. Yeah. Yeah.
3: It was mm-hmm. a big trend change.
5: So I think one of the other things that didn't really help Ghostbusters 2 at the box office in relation to Batman is that, um, yeah, Michael Keaton was a very controversial actor to play Batman, but they had also just come off of Beetlejuice the year before. So the duo <laughs> of Burton and Keaton. You know they're still kind of flying off of that high, yeah. And that team was such a draw, yeah. Yeah.
6: Yep. Yep. Yeah. Could you imagine if they had gone the Beetlejuice route? Like they saw Beetlejuice, the tone and the style, and were like, "That's what we need for our movie." <laughs> forget the family stuff. Let's go completely funky.
3: I, I think Dan would have been full full steam for that, given his original oh, yeah. concept. So yeah.
6: No, right, I forgot about, something. Uh, the, no, go ahead. Oh no! I was uh, just saying something. Um, I forgot from the earlier chapters. Was Michael Keaton on the list of cast potential cast members for the first one? Yes, so I he'll, guess it
0: was. I thought we played Egon I, I He's at least so. rumored. James was was
2: he in your research? Was he one that was considered? Yeah, I mean, he was a name that definitely comes up, and was like attached. Like I never saw anything. See, I, like I when I interviewed Frank Price about you know Ghostbusters and the. Uh, stripes and stuff you know he'd be like no it's like for ghostbusters it was like we always knew it was going to be these guys and that's like we didn't really have alternates um he could have just been saying that or maybe he didn't recall but uh yeah like the you always hear like oh yeah you know the alternate ghostbusters could have been like jeff goldblum or christopher lloyd or michael keaton you know i think the only people we know for sure is like oh yeah chevy chase and john belushi Mm -hmm. and richard pryor you know uh, but it seems like almost every every male actor who was slightly uh, comedic <laughs> at the time. <laughs> was at was, least rumored. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, and I did email, uh, I, I emailed Michael Keaton's uh, representatives to be like, uh, hey, uh, could you tell me anything about this? And I didn't hear anything, so. No confirmation
0: there.
2: You think the kind of Ivan was sitting around
6: under I mean, Batman? I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you think Ivan was sitting around after watching? Because, you know, Ivan obviously saw Batman. They all saw Batman. Of course, they're like, oh, we should we have should, we gotten that guy. <laughs> <laughs> too, too late
4: now.
1: Well, the, the connection between Batman and, and Ghostbusters goes a little bit deeper. Ivan, Ivan
4: was. I mean, I do love the uh, possibility that uh, Reitman would direct a Batman movie That's I was about in the play. early yeah. 80s. That uh, yeah. would have been so much fun. Especially the thought of Bill Murray as Batman and Eddie Murphy as Robin, like just <laughs> mind blowing. What? <laughs> yep. Yeah.
0: Um, I'm sorry, but I I was chuckling so hard at the Hardys controversy and their PR guy's response. Like, oh yeah, some kids ate some batteries, but you know, kids eat stuff all the time, and it's it's not good for you. Like, like, how did that guy get that job? (laughs) Because he's not good at it. And can we still find him any of those toys? And then the other guy's like, "Oh, they're gonna go buy Batman cups now." It's like, do you even like you're actively promoting the other thing that you're trying to go up against?
1: (laughs) Justin, you can find you can find those toys.
5: It's just it's a quick
0: eBay search. Oh yeah, they're out there. They don't have batteries because all the kids ate them.
5: Oh, darn. (laughs) Hoping I'd have something to snack on.
1: (laughs) But uh, getting back to to Ghostbusters 2, uh, I was really surprised that Weaver wasn't getting paid correctly for the original Mm -hmm. Ghostbusters, and then she didn't sign on for Ghostbusters 2 until really late.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that was a very difficult uh, story to nail down. uh i had seen some uh like in old old newspapers and magazines i had seen like people make reference to it or allude to it. her father talked about it a lot um he made some comments that were picked up by the ap and reprinted everywhere um like uh and i really had to dig to find an interview with sigourney weber where she talked about it because i had seen the quote where after she had signed on, where she's like, they're like, what took so long for you to agree to do this? And she kind of like waffled and wouldn't say anything. She's like, well, you know, I don't know. I think they thought blah, 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 blah. And it was lit. That's literally, I'm not really exaggerating. It's like kind of <laughs> what she said. And I was like, <laughs> what? So I eventually found an interview she did with, um, I think in the Long Island newspaper, Newsday. And uh, she's like, yeah, they they haven't paid me for Ghostbusters 1 and I'm seeking arbitration and uh, you know, I'm going to sue them uh so
0: so they didn't just Story do clever bookkeeping everywhere. to uh not pay filmation they they were not paying sigourney too. yeah <laughs> that backfired or almost
2: backfired yeah 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 so and
5: apparently that was a thing back in the day because they you you even mentioned that sean connery was trying to sue uh whatever the production company was for like 220 some odd million dollars for james bond like that's yeah. crazy
2: yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think think it was not
0: Brando (laughs) was so confident he wasn't going to get paid that he filed his lawsuit the day Superman came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, I think it's I think that stuff is more common than people realize. And I think especially when there isn't a movie that faces as as much scrutiny or gets as much attention as Ghostbusters or James Bond, you know, that probably happens quite often where people don't get what they were promised. You know, I'm, especially. I'm sure
4: there's a couple strikes going on right now about that.
5: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's nice to know that corporate greed was still running rampant in the '80s.
1: <laughs> well, and 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 Weaver was just about. I think she was just about to get an Oscar nomination at that point. Her name was huge. Yeah. After that, and um, I couldn't imagine. I honestly, I couldn't imagine Ghostbusters two without her. So, I mean. She was. She was in the, the 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 name of the film escapes me. It's the one where she's the person that talks with the gorillas.
3: Gorillas in the mist.
1: That's it, and that's what got her the the, the Oscar nomination. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I again, I, I couldn't imagine Ghostbusters two without Sigourney Weaver. I know, I know. There was other. There was other like <laughs> character lane. But Dana is, is Dana is just an integral part of Ghostbusters. I mean, she was even in Afterlife for a total of maybe two minutes, but she was there, and she was in um ATC again. This in a in a, a post credit scene for a couple of minutes. It's like okay, it's when you think mentor, yeah when you think of the when you think of ghostbusters you think of the four guys and then a lot of people
0: it's it's sigourney weaver yes no i i agree i think that is part of what people tend to think you know leads people to the rehash thing if that would have been a different damsel in distress and you know we had some lane character that venkman saved i think it might have played a bit different um But I do agree. Sigourney is so integral and it really goes back to um, the I'm going to get the quote wrong, but um, I believe it was Harold said, like, you don't use Sigourney Weaver as the butt of a joke. Like she has just this grace and this presence. Um, And I think that's very appreciated because in, yeah, a lot of um, their comedies, women could have been played for the fool or, you know, the butt of the joke. And Dana never is that not one no. in Ghostbusters. So no, she, uh, she's
3: definitely that grounding cable. And uh I just want to add, I think it was great symmetry with her because she was their first client and she would be the divine rod that kind of brings the guys back together. So mm-hmm. it just, yep. it just, to me, it didn't feel forced or anything like we've seen nowadays in sequels. Um, it felt very natural and just felt just perfect. And like, I think Josh said, uh, you can't imagine anyone else, you know, you have to have, you, d- you have to have Dana's character in some essence, some, some shape or form, whether it's in the beginning of the film and post credit scene or whatever. It just, because Dana and Venkman or Bill and <laughs> Sigourney, they, they, they have a chemistry. Oh, no doubt. They, they just have a natural chemistry, and I'm sure that's part of, you know, like, you know, that was probably a plus, a bonus for, for Bill to be a part of the production, you mm-hmm. know, getting the band back together, so to speak, even though he had his reservations and his public opinions like we touched on earlier. but
0: Well, he clearly adores Sigourney. Yeah. Um, you know, it was his idea to have them be married um And his whole goulash nickname and everything and how excited yeah. he was to have her back on the picture. So, um, yeah, definitely their chemistry, I think, both on and off screen, they clearly like each other. So. Well, oh, I thought she didn't
6: like him. Wasn't there, no. Wasn't there, something, wasn't there something that maybe I'm thinking of Ghostbusters 1 at the end credits to Kiss when he forced it instead of wasn't supposed to happen, right? I have no idea. A,
0: I, I thought... I always took that as good acting. I thought that was just her still being that character, resisting him and finally giving in. I didn't think there was any actual resistance there. Yeah, because they. But that was that's just my read on the. Yeah, because
3: they never really went on a date. Remember, she got turned into (laughs) into a dog. Yeah, The the, the, the nights he was supposed to go on their dates
0: and And the thorazine and yeah, yeah. It's kind of it's
6: kind of like that idea that Mario saves the princess, but. So the princess isn't going to go out with him right afterwards,
3: and she No, no, no. She, she goes for Luigi. Let's be honest.
6: That's right.
0: <laughs> well, we can't talk about without talking Vigo. Um, and what a piece of shit that guy was in real life. How? Yeah. <laughs> I there was there were some shocking moments,
1: James, when when I was reading it, I was like, wow, yeah. I. I I love the villain. I love the villain. I can definitely separate the artist from the art, but, um, yeah, he, wasn't very, he was not a very nice person. No, you know, no, he's a straight up monster. Yeah. Yeah. Bad dude. No good. Uh, now, now, um, I know we, some of us were talking and, um, we were like, some, someone said something like, I didn't even know any of this. I'm like, well, we knew he was kind of a jerk, uh, a couple of years ago, there was a there was an article that. It, but my question is, um, what
2: what went into your research for uh, Wilhelm? Like, well, you know, that there was that article on Deadspin a few years ago that really, really, you know, laid out all of his family stuff, um, and uh, I just. Yeah, that was a that was a big basis. But also, like, I went back and just read a lot of sports columns from when he was boxing and how, you know, people are like, people had such a distaste for him because like this guy gets in the ring. He's all attitude. He boxes like a wrestler. He behaves like a wrestler. Like he's he, he acts like he's the greatest thing in the universe. And it's like, and they're like, it's, but he acts that way all the time. Like he's just, the, all, you know, the, the, like the vitriol people had towards him. <clears throat> and, um, you know, and the fact that he was like, uh, he had that contentious, uh, interview in Germany where the ho- the host was trying to make a fool of him and yeah. he, was, he wasn't having it at all. And that, that kind of like, you know, that, that was really his like defining moment in Germany and like, you know, um, but and, you know, and then uh, you occasionally hear things from people um, who worked on Ghostbusters, too. And there were people who worked on Ghostbusters, too, who said, oh, we had a good time when we when we were doing his makeup or like, you know, we hung out a couple times after the when we weren't filming. And he was, you know, it was fine. Uh, but, yeah, that I mean, I really there really isn't much else to say other than like, you know, if you talk about his family life or how foul he was viewed like in his in, in his professions, uh you know.
1: Uh, was there anything after when he when he, I know when he was at the premiere he stormed off if Max Vinsaido was the um who played the voice of, of Vigo. Um was there anything that, that he ever said
2: after that about about the voice? No, not that I'm aware of. I mean I think he just kinda you know. Was obviously irritated that they didn't use his voice, but I think it was also sort of clear that I see. I, I feel like he probably uh, was so arrogant he didn't realize like. I, but it's obvious like they're not gonna use his real voice. Like, <laughs> I mean, uh, if, I had
1: heard. I've, it. I've heard it. I've I've heard it too. Yeah, and it's like and it, he just comes up. I Vigo, the scourge <laughs> of Carpathia. and it's like that.
2: That does not. That is it's not, not ominous at
3: all. I mean, wasn't it kind Did of, you of like, like a David Prowse, James Earl Jones kind of thing?
2: Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that. It was similar to how David Prowse, for some reason, thought his voice wasn't going to be dubbed, where, like, regardless <laughs> of what you think of David Prowse's performance, it's under this big helmet. So it's all muffled. It's like, row, 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 you know, <laughs> So it's like, let's just get a guy. Let's get James Earl Jones to just do this stuff. Um, so, uh Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I know I never heard anything. I think, uh, you know, once, once, uh, Wilhelm Norbert, uh, you know, retired from acting and everything, he kind of kept to himself at the low profile.
1: Yeah. I I mean, looking at his, looking at his career, I mean, he, he had two pretty big movies, you know, Ghostbusters two and die hard. Yeah. And I mean, (laughs) Every every Ghostbusters fan can like pick him out and die hard. Like ah there, there's Vigo right there. <laughs> yeah. You know. I uh but yeah, I mean like he had he had a couple of those big roles, but then I, I don't think I ever saw him in anything else other than those two.
2: I think the most telling quote is uh about him is when he was in a egg the Warner Herzog movie, and Warner Herzog, no stranger to the bizarre and the insane, is like this guy's nuts.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but the the character of Vigo and the, the character of Vigo is is really cool to me. Um I think um he's like he's a ghost. He's a ghost. They're not fighting a god. They're not fighting uh, a, a monster. They're fighting an actual ghost in that film. And I, I think that's another reason why I love it so much, is because he he's, he was he was a living person who lived to be 105 years old, really hung in there. But, uh, but uh, I thought that was always really cool that he was a living person at one point in time, and then he was, he got trapped in a painting. Yeah, I, mean. I, I would love to have seen maybe if ghostbusters 2 had come out in like post 1993 like him getting out of the of the painting i think i think someone had said something in the last chapter the chapter four. like could you imagine if they had the visuals that they had mm-hmm. in like 1993 to get to get go out i mean he just shows up he fades, fades in, and it's like, oh, okay, yep, there he is. I mean, it's still haunting, but, uh, man, I could yeah. just see him ripping out of there, getting out, getting out of the painting.
0: I agree that would look really cool, but I always found, sort of like you're saying, with him being a ghost trapped in a painting, I found the very simplistic nature of those effects – to be, yeah, a bit more haunting. Of just like, up, oh, he's out of the painting. He's like coming into yeah. focus. Like I always really like that. I thought that it, was
1: it, good. It, it, it sends chills. Yeah, it sends I mean, chills up
3: the spine. Why, like, I mean, with Vigo and his ghost appearance and the whole story that he is a ghost, to me that felt it made me like it a lot because I was watching the real Ghostbusters cartoon. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of times where there's some pretty powerful ghosts that the guys were taking on. That they almost didn't beat. So there was mm-hmm. that.
0: But like. Well, the classes yes. of ghosts yeah. <laughs> are not an exact science. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> the, you know, the writers, all of a sudden, a class 10, one episode is more easily dealt with than like, class four, the next episode. But yeah. like when
3: we're watching Vigo slowly, like he's kind of like faz- phasing or fading in and out, you know, to me, I really like that as a visual. Sure, it wasn't, you know, scary, oozing, dropping everywhere. But I mean, Think of, like, other movies, I'm going to say, and don't laugh at me for this, Ghost. I mean, in the movie Ghost, Patrick Swayze had to use a lot of concentration, a lot of focus to just move a friggin' penny. (laughs) So, I mean, it it shows that, yes, he would have to be a very powerful being, you know, when he was human, or mortal, should I say. And then, you know, him as a ghost, yeah, it's not something like, oh, he can just walk out. He needs the right set of circumstances, to yeah. kind of unlock things but yeah he could shoot the, the that little bolts of a uh, bolts of energy into janos to kind of infuse so, imbue some of his power into janos i mean to me i still those effects to me personally they still stick with
0: me and I, like, I think that goes to what jamie was saying about it being a modern look still a lot of a lot of it really holds up
1: yeah it still does to this day yeah i yeah. did yeah. like
0: the. I mean, uh I did like the reference to things being toned down that the best Bankman could come up with was calling Vigo bonehead. Yeah. (laughs) Like, okay, would he have called him a bonehead in 1984? I don't
2: know. Probably. I I
4: love the I love the production end on the painting. Uh, Just dealing with trying to figure out how to film him in the painting and going to that live painting festival. (laughs) Uh, being an Arrested Development fan that whole thing is just what I'm picturing now (laughs) picturing uh, Vigo up there in the Never Nude shorts
5: (laughs) (laughs) there's dozens of us literally dozens
1: so uh, yeah there was a uh, a, a, an ending they had to reshoot the ending um what was the what was the original ending supposed to be? Does anybody know?
0: I mean, they talked about, you know, the previous drafts with uh, Jason slash Justin, that he actually would have possessed the Statue of Liberty, not the Ghostbusters taking that over. Um,
2: I don't know, though. James, do you have any idea what the original ending was? Well, yeah, I mean, just based on uh, just based on like the drafts that I've read, it was like, uh jason slash justin possesses the statue of liberty they <laughs> they go to liberty island and they like put uh lewis tully in drag to try to like just to, to try to to make him think lewis is dana or, the, or lane um but oh, then I, I think in the later in the, uh, the later iterations it was like uh you know it ended with the like, The Statue of Liberty is like passed out on the street. Um, and uh, the mayor is like, God, god damn it, we just had this thing restored. Um, uh, she's but, laying, she's laying there on the yeah, yeah. yeah. Apparently, apparently, there was supposed to be a lot more of that. And um, like, That's you know, the, we there's the, like a, the scenes at Ellis Island were supposed to be longer, there was going to be like dialogue between which, like. Definitely, one of the funnier things that they cut was like they're they're all the like or like Ray and Peter are staying there talking about their ancestors and where they came from, and then uh the end of Ray was like oh my uh my uh my ancestors took pictures of the uh, of the Statue of Liberty, and then Winston's like, "We didn't have cameras on the slave ships." <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah." Mm. It's like uh, a it's a
0: it's a good self aware joke, but it's also like, is that what you want to end the movie <laughs> on? Like, is that the last line as the crowd walks yeah. out into the? <laughs> well, I mean, I
6: don't
3: it, think that would have flown in '89, let alone today. So. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so <you know. laughs>
6: I would have loved to see this. The what happened to this? We were talking about this in the chat. What happened to the statue? I think nowadays it would have been a mid-credit scene or even the end of it. Like, did they, you know, cut the statue up and bring it back to Ellis Island? Did they slime it again, get it to get up like it just got done at a kegger and just walk? Have it walk back?
3: They, they, they just got turn on Jackie Wilson back on, and you know she's gonna come get back to life.
4: That's what I. That's I subscribe to that theory. I think in the novelization well, climbed back they up on the back climbed pole. it and walked it back, but the wrong arm is upholding the torch. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was thinking. That would have been great. Like,
6: that would have been funny.
4: Um, just
6: and then there's Lenny. Put it back. Put it back. No, it's not going to work again. Sorry, There's Woods. Get on the boat and leave. Drop,
3: drop drops the torches. Lands on a ferry going by. <laughs>
1: One, one thing that uh, they, that also gets a lot of attention in Ghostbusters too is just how um, the side of the like well the logo is always the the two fingers up. It's on the side of the car. It's on the pad. It's it, it it kind of doesn't make sense, but in that there's that one scene where like it's the commercial where it got cut and Ray's like, we're back with two times the power and two times the what like the proton charging or whatever it is. I was like that if that would have just stayed in the movie, it probably would have made just a little bit, a tiny bit more sense. But I, I don't I still don't get why they did the the tube logo
0: in movie the same reason that they put a red stripe on for firehouse
2: <laughs> yeah so they i can uh,
0: sell more toys of a different ecto-1
2: <laughs> yeah when i uh, interviewed tom enriquez who did you know a lot of storyboards and, and art stuff for both movies I was like, because that always bugged me, too, where it's like, so are they aware that they're in the sequel to their movie? <laughs> and I was like, why did you, how come, what, like, were there any arguments about the two? The, the the <laughs> and he's like, "He's like, no, we did it because we thought it looked cool. And he's like, <laughs> it, it must be cool because you're asking me about it. <laughs> <So> <laughs> look, Tom's, Tom's a super nice guy. He was really helpful on that. I'm not clowning on him at all, but that, that's what he told me. And then he said there were more He's like, we had more arguments about whether what both should both legs be in the circle? Should one leg be out? That was much more contentious. Like, <laughs> what do we do with the legs of the ghost? But he's like, no, you know, it's just whatever. We wanted to do something different. Like, you know.
1: Yeah, I I I, I like the logo. It's 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 a it's a lot of fun. Um, I I, it's definitely an eye catcher of that one. Because you I mean you see the you see the no ghost logo all over the place, and then it's like you see the big boy there trying to step out of the no logo there, and he's just like holding oh, up peace signs. All right, man, okay, that's cool.
3: He's like, please, peace. Don't shoot me. Don't shoot me. Okay, I'll get back. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'll
3: stay behind the with- line.
6: <laughs> yeah, I still find it logo wise, while it's not as popular, I find it just as strong as the GB one logo. Mm-hmm. Whether it's for whatever, however the movie invoked any feelings or anything like that, I still think it was really well done. You know, even if it was just on a poster and said, "It's Ghostbusters 2 and they never used it again, which as you which know, a lot really of people happened. wish that's how it <laughs> happened. Um, mm-hmm. I still think it would have been great. I still think it's great.
1: If the finger, if the fingers weren't up, there would be no sign. That hangs that hung outside of uh, hook and ladder eight that broke, that uh, brings us to the Buffalo Ghostbusters.
0: How, how many degrees of separation are you going here on this?
5: If yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, didn't like exist, the buffalo didn't exist, then the Ghost sign didn't
0: exist, then the sign couldn't be broken, then the Buffalo Ghostbusters couldn't have fixed the sign. <laughs> exactly. like, exactly. Hey, we gotta figure out a way
1: some somehow. But. Yeah, I, I, I like the Ghostbusters suit logo. It's fun. It, it, sure. it, it's, it's the reason why I had, to, uh, I had to get a charcoal gray as my first flight suit.
3: Yeah, That was a first flight suit for a lot of us. I mean, my first suit before even joining was a gray suit, and I still have it and I still rock it to this day because I like the gray, but it's a little bit heavy in the summertime.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So So does anybody else have anything on chapters
0: five and six? Go ahead. There you go, Chris.
4: Um, I thought it was interesting that Ray Parker Jr. was not asked back simply because he made too much money on (laughs) G1. Yep. Well,
6: that was his reason. That's what he said, right? Is that actually official?
0: But I liked that Bobby Brown also was like, oh, I'm not just going to take Huey Lewis's lick and (laughs) do that or whatever. And then he gets sued too. (laughs) (laughs)
2: yeah i think i i think actually the official official the unofficial uh what i've heard which i could not confirm is that uh i mean you know i i i mentioned this in the book that like everybody at columbia was like really angry that ray parker jr wouldn't wouldn't even sit down to talk about renegotiating his rights to the song um but i heard it like it really for some reason it really irritated ivan Reitman. so he was like we are gonna use we're not gonna have him back we're gonna use the song as like as little as possible uh you know that's that's what i heard anecdotally i never heard anything like on the record or or, or rather like i never heard anything from him from ivan Reitman or whatever Mm. you know but
0: you know But there we go. All right. I think that's probably a good place to wrap this one up. Uh, We're about to hit the long winter. (laughs) I love that title for the next chapter. Winter's coming. Um, And I think there's probably, you know, this is going to be where a lot of us oddly are going to have a lot of things that we really remember because you know being on various websites and stuff like that trying to follow all the news of a potential third movie for over 20 years (laughs) but uh yeah looking forward to it thank you again for joining us james and uh i guess we will see everybody next week same time same place and if you're listening on the podcast that we've now started apparently with this (laughs) I hope you are enjoying it and we'll see you we got three episodes left so we'll see you next week